Welcome to Amateur All Tours, the podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a movie. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me is my brother, Brian, and we would like to welcome you to Amateur All Tours. Alright, welcome to the show. Um, I'm your host, Mike, and joining me as always, hey, it's Brian. Um, and uh, last episode, had a good discussion about uh, you know some graffiti art in uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop, and a good discussion on art in general. So, uh, this week, as uh, teased in the last episode, it's uh, it's Brian's recommendation. So, you know, Brian, without uh, without further ado, why don't you, uh, let's just jump right into it. What, what film did you pick? Alright, well, for today, for the cast, we are talking about uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love. And I just wanted to preface this by saying I'm so excited by this is our first paul thomas anderson uh film that we were talking about uh as part of the amateur tours uh podcast and i mean we are definitely throughout the uh the remainder of however long we do this we're definitely going to bring up probably i'm probably at least going to recommend eventually every paul thomas anderson movie i mean i think there's at least eight right now um and, you know, I, you know, even from the pilot, I remember we teased last episode that, you know, I am an avid fan of Paul Thomas Anderson. I have seen uh, not only every single one of his films, even, you know, the, um, his uh, independent film, um, what is it, Hard Eight, which is originally called Sydney. Um, that's a very unknown, that, that is actually Paul Thomas Anderson's first film, but I've also seen his, um, you know, his, his other short films, um, the, particularly the Dirk Diggler story, which is the basis of Boogie Nights, and also, um... That was a short film? Yeah. Oh, and it was, like, his first film he ever did. He, like, recorded on video camera, on, on video cassette, not cassette, like, VHS, and also, um, Cigarettes and Coffee, which is actually the basis for, um, uh, what was it, Heart Eight. And also, I've seen a lot of his other music videos, um, especially the ones for Fiona Apple. Yeah, um, he, uh, I was actually listening, looking at this the other day with my friends, just like, oh yeah, like, because I, I really want to watch uh, Punch Drunk Love with uh, this person, and I'm, I was like, alright, this is who Paul Thomas Anderson is, I looked at their IMDb, and it was like, oh, he directed a music video, I'm like, he's done he, a few, I'm like, he directs music videos, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, look up um, Paper Bag by Fiona Apple, you can immediately tell it's Paul Thomas Anderson, if you want to, like, see a director in, like, his full, like, being an auteur in a music video, check Paper Bag, I think that's what it's called, Paper Bag by Fiona Apple, literally when you watch, like, this is Paul Thomas Anderson, and also he did, um, Fiona Apple's Across the Universe, and a few more, which I actually forget right now, but, you know, that that's just, like, um, that's how big of a fan I am of Paul Thomas Anderson, he's a very huge in- influence, at least on me, in terms of how I watch film, and how I actually, when I, I've dabbled in, like, filming too, and that's, I kind of, I don't, base it around Paul Thomas Anderson, but he's definitely an influence. Um, yeah, and funny enough, like, back, going back to the first episode, uh, or that you recommend, your first recommendation was Snatch, and I thought you were gonna either, it was either gonna be Snatch or this, um, and I also like Paul Thomas Anderson, not as much as you, um, I think my first film that I ever saw of him was There Will Be Blood, and up to this like, first time I watched this, that was the only one I had seen, um, 
for some reason, I feel like I watched it first, and then I'm like, no, Brian. I, no, you did, because... And then I said, Brian, you need to watch this movie. Be, because what happened is, I kind of remember, I got into Paul Thomas Anderson very early last year, like, as in freshman of year of college, um, in that it really started with Punch Drunk Love, because it was on Netflix, and I was like, I've heard that this is Adam Sandler's, like, very good, serious role, and I'm like, I'll give it a shot, I'm literally doing nothing, and I fucking loved it and then i looked up paul thomas anderson on netflix there was the master and then there will be blood and i think no that was it so far and then i just watched those and i said who is this guy like i know i've heard this guy but like i haven't seen enough of it and then i and then throughout the past uh year and a half i've eaten everything up about this guy and i've started to study him and you know really just you know yeah and like i'm looking down at my notes and it's just like this was the first movie that you and I watched watched together, and and like I said, my first Paul Thomas Anderson movie was There Will Be Blood, and I actually have Boogie Nights written down, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I introduced you to both of those. Like, I feel like I watched them as, like, Brian watched this movie. I feel like, I think I watched half of Boogie Nights and was like, eh, I'll, I'll get to it, and I never actually saw all of it until, like, maybe a year ago. Yeah, because I remember I, I was bought like, wow, it I'm an for idiot. some reason. I bought it. I think it was probably because Mark Mark Wahlberg or something like that. And then, and I heard it was a good movie. I knew I literally knew nothing about the plot of that movie, and then I watched it. But I remember those were the first two films I watched, and that's really all I knew about this. And then for a long time, you were like, Mike, watch this movie, watch this movie, watch this movie. And then I think in the pilot we talked about this. I was like, you know, like now I can like I can watch these movies that you want me, you want me to watch. And I think this was like the first one we watched, and. And yeah, so that's and I and I do like Paul Thomas Anderson. I really like There Will Be Blood, but I also really like Daniel Day Lewis. Um, I always find myself watching scenes from that movie, especially the um, his like baptism scene, where he's just yeah. where he's just like he's just kind of doing it. But he, it's just like a phenomenal scene. It's phenomenally shot and phenomenally acted. So I always going I always find myself going back to that film yeah. and just watching it. And, um, now, I guess, I guess, uh, before we start the conversation, the thing, I think the reason Punch Drunk Love is so, um, I think special in terms of Paul Thomas Anderson's canon is because this is really the, the phase, uh, like, it's, it's the second phase of Paul Thomas Anderson's career. Like, um, I think the best way I can kind of describe it is, um, Tarantino in terms of indie Tarantino versus, uh, big budget mainstream Tarantino. It's the same exact situation with Paul Thomas Anderson, whereas you have Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, that is Tarantino, not indie. And then you have, po- it's like post Kill Bill where you have Kill Bill 1 and 2, um, you know, like Death Proof. Or yeah, Death Proof, um, Inglorious Bastards, Django, and then now we have the Hateful Eight coming out, and those are radically different. Like at least stylistically, stylistically they're the same, but you can tell that they're just different in terms of just how they're made, how they're shot. Um, and it's the same situation with Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, there, you know, you have you know indie Paul Thomas Anderson with um, Hard Eight, you know Boogie Nights, Magnolia. And then you really get this shift with Punch Drunk Love. There and it's like really cool because there are elements of both styles of Paul Thomas Anderson in this movie. And then you get and then from Punch Drunk Love you get then straight into There Will Be Blood, and then The Master, and then we had an Inherent Vice this past December, and now 
whatever is coming out of Paul Thomas Anderson we're going to get. But, I mean, it just really shows that, you know, there is, when you watch these movies, there is a very clear difference in how these movies are made and how they're told. I think, honestly, I mean, they're all of Paul Thomas Anderson movies are very uh, far-reaching. Um, but, I mean, like, do you know what I'm saying when you can tell? Like, when you watch Boogie Nights and then you watch There Will Be Blood, you can just tell, like, it's the it's Paul Thomas Anderson, but it's different. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Boogie Nights. I think I've seen it once, like, all the way through. And, and then, but I've seen There Will Be Blood many, many times. And, I mean, I guess, I, I mean, just thinking of other directors, like, like, just Tarantino, like, there's a difference between Reservoir Dogs and Django Unchained. Like, there's a complete difference. Oh, yeah. So, like, I mean, that's, like, 20 years of difference. But, like, that's not the point. Like, I, 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 I believe you when you say there's a difference between the two. If I sat you down and we said we're going to watch all of t- uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's, you would say, like, okay, well, but I feel like that's Punch with every... Love, there is a shift. I feel like that's with every director like there's no but point. it's like so pronounced with paul thomas anderson and tarantino i find that you know it's it they're definitely po i, I look at it with paul thomas anderson pre punch drunk love and then post punch drunk love not saying punch drunk love is like a game changer but it, it it's showing paul thomas anderson's um like growth and shifting of like how he actually like films and how he makes a movie um, but I guess let's. Without further ado, let's get into well, it. Well, there's some things that I want to talk about oh, first. Like, oh, okay. Like, oh, I'm a little specifically here. Adam Sandler. So, I, I, I absolutely just going right off the bat. I absolutely love Adam Sandler in this film. Um, now, movies before this, like I just had to look this up. Um, there, like I looked this up literally before this movie. There was Little Nicky, Big Daddy, Waterboy, Wedding Singer. Uh, Happy Gilmore. Oh, yeah, Happy Gilmore. And this was all throughout 96 and 99. Not to mention his SNL career. Yes. And I said, you know, I in my notes I have, like, you know... Now, these are before Punch Drunk Love. Now, I said, you know, these are fair, fair movies. Like, four to five I would recommend. And I'm assuming that's, like, everything except Little Nicky. Um, <laughs> but, um... And then after this, we have Mr. Mister Deeds, Eight Crazy Nights, Anger Management, Click. Uh, that's just a few of them. Like, that's that's immediately following this. And I'm like... And one of the questions I proposed, like, why didn't he go serious? Because this film, to me, proved that he could... I mean, he did a few serious movies. I guess Click can be considered, like, a serious, more serious movie than, like, his other ones. Like, that's... Click is obviously a more serious movie, that movie than, like, like, Little Nick. That movie, like, kind of balances the line between, like, asshole Adam Sandler and, like pretty, like, good Adam Sandler, but also I think that really goes to show, like, I mean, what it shows what Adam Sandler can do when in the hands of a great director. Also, I'm looking at my notes, and it, I have, like, serious movies like Rain Over Me, Click, I guess Funny People can be considered that, and, like, Longest Yard, I guess Longest Yard can be considered, like, no, that, that's definitely a comedy. But it's, I mean, it's a comedy, but, but it's, it's not, not like, no, it's, it's like a click no, level it's comedy. Not, it's not Adam Sandler being a fucking annoying man-child. Doing his, yeah, yeah, Adam Sandler voice. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but, like, I feel like Adam Sandler, like, like Grown Ups, for example. I absolutely love Grown Ups. Okay, I don't absolutely love Grown Ups. No, I, I, I like, love that movie. I think it's a good movie. But... I, it's like a guilty pleasure, man. I love watching yeah. Grown Ups. Like, whenever I watch it, I feel good. And, like, he has that whole, like, like what you described, like, I'm Adam Sandler. He's like, not doing like that, though. 
He is. He's like he's kind of like. Uh, so you mean like a crazy night? He like that's like. Oh god! Yeah, like, that's, that's like the a crazy nights is like the epitome of everything I hate about Adam Sandler. Like um, I don't think like Billy Elliot is something like that. Billy Elliot, you mean? Or Billy yeah, Madison? I'm sorry, Billy Madison. I'm sorry. I'm thinking no, of a Billy good Madison. Movie. That I was of a fresh, really good like, movie. That was like <laughs> before it got annoying, and even in the movie, kind of gets annoying. But that was before that became Adam Sandler's. Thing. That was like his SNL sketch, like sketch kind of stuff. Yeah, like that was before it was like, oh, it's Adam Sandler, like, um. So yeah, but like, and then Punch Drunk Love, like this is his best part, like this is his best role by far. And, like, one of the things I really liked about this is, like, it doesn't feel like I'm watching Adam Sandler. Like, you know, like, when you watch some actors, like, I think Michael Fassbender is a good example no. of this. Like, I watch him, I'm like, I'm not watching Michael Fassbender. I'm watching, oh, like, a different right. actor. Okay, I thought like, you meant, like, I'm watching Michael Fassbender. I'm like, what the f- Oh, what no, are no, you no, talking no. about? You know, I'm saying, like, when I watch him, I'm like, I'm watching, You're watching like, a different the character, character he's yeah. playing. Or, like, yeah. I think Brad Pitt is kind of like that, too. Yeah. Um, Ewan McGregor is definitely like that. And also, um, um, Michael C. Hall is definitely one of those actors. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Ewan McGregor and Michael C. Hall are the epitome of, like, I'm not like, watching. I- Ian McGregor is, like, your man crush. Like, well, also, Michael, Michael like, C. Hall I, I actually left this out of the pilot, and I don't know why, but Ewan McGregor and Michael C. Hall are tied for, like, my, like, I, I guess man crushes, but also my favorite actors. But um, and I and honestly, ever I completely we, forgot about Michael C. Hall. When ever I said since that. ever since we've been record, ever since we recorded the pilot, I'm like, I can't believe I forgot Michael C. Hall. Yeah, I can't believe that too. Yeah, I'm gonna put this in right now. Robert De Niro, Michael C. Hall. <laughs> yes, and Tashiro Mifune, but that's you know, <laughs> okay. But anyway, like, I, like, but like, so like, you get actors like that, and then you get actors like like Al Pacino, like at least modern Al Pacino. I feel like older Al, but like like 70s and 80s. 70s and 80s Al Pacino, you could watch him and be like, okay, he's Michael Corleone, or he's, like, Serpico, or he's, like, whatever actor he's playing, but now, like, modern Al Pacino is, like, that's fucking Al Pacino playing a role. Yeah. Like, he... And, because and, he, like, he, cause he like, doesn't... And, like, that's kind of like Adam Sandler for me. Like, I'm kind of like, you know, that's Adam Sandler playing Adam Sandler, but I always... I, I, I don't I mean, know why, but I Honestly, like, I kind of view Adam Sandler as, like, a hack, more or less. Uh, I don't... I mean, I don't view him as a hack. I think his movies I, suck, I, honestly. I honestly enjoy seeing Adam Sandler. I don't know why, but I, like, I just like seeing I mean, him. I don't know. I don't I, I don't have anything against him. I just don't really like his movies. But, like, except, yeah. well, okay, I like 90s and Punch Drunk Love. But, like, what I'm getting at is, like, this film, like, is such a, like, his best role. Because, like, every other role I see is, like, okay, that's Adam Sandler playing, like, a video game guy or, like, a... Um, or a man child, or he doesn't play man child. Like that's <laughs> more of like a Will Ferrell kind of thing. But and like he plays like kind of like that. But like I'm just like you know this is Barry. This is not Adam yeah. Sandler. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you like what is your favorite Adam Sandler movie? Punch Drunk Love. Outside of this, oh, because uh, I would say that too. But um, I like uh, Happy Gilmore because I actually think that's funny. Because that actually works. Like everything in that movie kind of works. Yeah, I, and I mean, and I'm gonna say I like Grown Ups. That's probably my. I mean, favorite. Grown Ups. I actually I like Grown Ups. I think that's a funny the first movie. one, not the second one. But I never even saw this. And like, one. I'm looking at my notes and going back to that that thing. Like, I feel like this is like what Barry is to Adam Sandler is what Forrest Gump is to Tom Hanks. What do you mean? Like you 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 watch it and you're like, this is not that person. 
Like you like you're like that's Forrest Gump. That's not Tom Hanks. Or like, and when I watch oh, this, I'm like, that's actually a good. I'm point. like, this is Barry. That's not Adam Sandler. That's actually a good point. I've never once watched Forrest Gump and was like, oh, that's Tom Hanks. I've never. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never actually said that. So that's how I viewed it. And is then, there anything I mean, else you want to say? Or? Your favorite movie isn't Jack and Jill. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I'm so, I just had to throw that in there. But um, god damn. So. All right, now we'll, we've had our discussion about Adam Sandler and Paul Thomas Anderson. So again, Punch Drunk Love came out in two thousand two. It's starring Adam Sandler, Emily Watson, uh, Louis Guzman, yeah, Louis and, Guzman, yeah, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late uh, and great Philip Unfortunately. Seymour Hoffman. Unfortunately, and so Brian, why don't do you have like a backstory or do you have like a plot summary? Or? Yeah, I guess like a plot summary is basically um, Adam Sandler plays Barry Egan, and I guess the overall. Uh, you know, gist of the movie is, um, lonely, lonely loser Barry, uh, learns how to love and become, you know, learns how to love and, uh, overcomes his, you know, his, you know, troubles that he has in, within himself that have been caused by, you know, the torment, the tor- by, by being tormented by his family and by his life. And yeah, in the end, he ultimately becomes a better person because of this girl he meets, and also because of, um, you know, a harmonium. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but that is, that is kind of the vague plot summary that I have to give. Um, So I guess, should I read the IMDb one, or? Sure, I guess, sure. Upstage me, why don't you? Go (laughs) ahead. A psychologically troubled uh, novelty supplier is nudged toward a romance with an Englishwoman, all the while being extorted by a phone sex line run by a crooked mattress salesman and purchasing stunning amounts of pudding. Hey, that was my hint. Yeah. So, that's just what IMDb said. I feel like I always have to pull that stuff up just in case. But, um... In case uh, you ask me what the movie is about. And you have nothing, and you have nothing. But, you know what? No. I feel like this one, you... I, I feel like you it. just spearhead a lot of this. But, um, so, well, let's just get into it. So, our opening shot, we have just color schemes that, like, just kind of, like, different. It's kind of like a, like, the rainbow spectrum that really catch my eye. Oh, yeah, like the title sequence? Yeah. Or, or is that before or after? I think it's the, the intro. First, I'm, I think, what's the intro? Like, when Barry's talking on the phone? Or is that? I think the color sequence comes first. I think there's, a, I think there's, like, that. And then, then there's like the actual credit intro. Um, I'm pretty sure it's just Barry talking first. Let's see. Just look it up really quick. Well, either way, whatever talk- it is. I mean, well, we'll get into that in a second. I mean, what I wrote is opening scene is with Barry talking on the phone, and what I and I think the the main thing that re- immediately <clears throat> sticks out is like a the color palette it's blue and it matches Barry's suit. But I mean, also the um. I think the best thing that, one of the best traits that, I mean, that Paul Thomas Anderson has, I mean, he's so many, is his framing. He definitely knows how to, where to put the camera, what to show, what not to show, and how to show it. Just real quick, you're also correct, it is Barry talking on the phone. Okay, so I'm right. Um, Um, And so, and then, and so, like, when you watch Paul Thomas Anderson movies, that is actually a very striking thing about them, is how the movies are framed, and in this, it's like, it's like, it's kind of positioned a little awkward, it looks like it's positioned in a corner, where you see Barry on one side of the room, and then, like, an empty, you know, wall on the other, and it's, and it's focusing on Barry talking, and now, what is he talking about? He's talking about a loophole, um, of frequent flyer miles. Now, 
This is like, it's kind of the, you know, an intro, a little teaser of what's actually going to happen throughout the movie, and we'll get into it that later. It seems like such an insignificant yeah, thing. Yeah, honestly, the fir- I missed it the first couple times I watched it. I'm like, what? I don't even really care what he's talking about. But then it also shows, like, um, it's very lingering shots, and then it shows that Paul Thomas Anderson never takes us out of the moment. We're always right in there with Barry, and I believe that's where he, he um, is talking to the guy, and he says, like, oh, I have... Um, like, give me your phone number, and he's like, oh, do you need, like, my home number? I think that's... Yeah, that's- well, here, I have, like, here's my thing. So, it shows that, I feel like his, like, going into his framing, it shows that Barry is really, like, lonely. And it just goes, like, in this position oh, yeah. of, like, his desk in an empty room. And it's, like, nothing's around him. And and then it goes into that introduction of that airline deal. Like, it's really, like, no point to it right now. It's just kind of, like, just him like, introducing, like, he's lonely. And, um, yeah, so I just think it just goes into him being lonely, and, like, the framing is really, uh, well done. But, um, what I wanted to, like, we get into, like, the, like, that, that car accident. Well, wait, it wasn't, didn't, um, he go outside and, like, didn't he see, um, oh, never mind, I'm sorry, I was thinking of a different scene. Oh, yeah, but the roadway collision, like, okay, so what happens is Barry, you know, leaves the office, he just, he, he just walks down, and he walks down the street, and then he's just kind of standing there, and I really like what Paul Thomas Anderson does with, like, sound editing, because it's, like, very quiet, and also, if you kind of look down the street, you can see, um, you know, cars coming, you can also see the truck coming, um, but that, that plays into it in a second. And what happens is, you know, it's just Barry standing there, and then out of nowhere, you know, it's a very jarring oh, we, car accident. We did forget something. What? We forgot the, uh, the interaction with Lena. Oh, okay, I was gonna say, that's what I asked. I said, did she, was it, was it that scene Oh, that I just got, up? I just got, yeah, so, he talks to Lena first. Which, again, it seems like it's such an insignificant thing, but, oh, I have it written right here, I don't know yeah. why. Um, I think I just got caught up in... I th- For some reason, my notes are out of order. Like, I have the opening shot, like, the color sequences. I have that as the opening shot. No, no, what happens is... No, okay, no, what happens is it's the roadway collision that happens, and it's very abrupt. Oh, uh, no, we're going in the right way. Um, It's very abrupt, and then, and then all of a sudden, a harmonium, like, a car, a van pulls up, just drops a harmonium in front of Barry, and then drives away. And now... This is like, uh, I already commented on the extreme juxtaposition with sound. It's very jarring, just as it is jarring with Barry. But it also is kind of weird, and it's rightly so, because it's just this whole, cars are flipping and twirling, and Barry's just standing there with well, his coffee what, mug. What is the, what, what's up with the car accident, though? Like, I honestly think it's... Like, I, I'm so confused when I see that. Like, no, because, I, but it's like, it's one no, of those, I, like... Because this is the entrance... Of the harmonium, it is. See, that's like I, it's like it's signifying that this is important. The way I see it is like, it's like in Jurassic Park when, like, there's all those like continuity errors, like the t- like the T Rex scene, like the T Rex couldn't be standing where it is because it's just a straight drop. But Spielberg is such a like he engro- he's such a great director. He engrosses you, like the viewer, and what's going on that you don't question that. So like that's I kind of apply that in Paul Thomas Anderson, where it's like this this car accident occurs. And he just drops off the harpsichord, and I'm like, or it's what is harmo- it? I think it's a harmonium. harmonium. I call it a harpsichord. I just have it. Just Whatever it is, it's like it a, okay. For, it's like it's if case we're fucking. I'll this say up, it's a mini piano. I'll say, I think it's a wait. Was it har- it's it's. I'm pretty sure harmonium. it's a harmonium. I think it's a harmonium. But, but like, but so we'll say? say that. Um, like, 
I just accepted it. I was like, all right, that just happened. No, I no, I don't actually think the reason it happened was because it's connected to the harmonium and that whatever the hell happened, it's connected to the harmonium and that it it really doesn't matter if the car accident actually happened or not. The thing that actually matters is the harmonium is there and it's connected to it and it's actually signifying how very important it is. I think it, this is like the one central thing to the story. This harmony. Yeah, no, it's a it's a central thing, but it's just like I, no. I, I guess just, I guess just, you can view it as like it's just a clever a mis- way amidst the chaos. Like, yeah, this thi- this harmonium is what like it's just what calms something down. Yeah, on well, I mean that's kind of a good way because honestly, you could you could honestly kind of take that that the car accident is Barry's inner like turmoil, and then the harmonium is here to like try and resolve it. But anyway, going into that, and then, but also, it's also important to note that initially Barry runs away from, or like, he just kind of, he kind of flinches from it, it's like a harmonium, it's not going to do anything, but he's fearful of it, and then he just leaves it on the street, he's like, he just ignores it, and then, and now we're getting to the entrance of Lena, but he does, it's the, the mystery woman, she just pulls up in her car, and, yeah, and, yeah, I just think it's interesting because it, it really goes to show like it, it's it's good because he's like a really extreme version of himself here, and that he's like he's unsure of himself. He's just says I don't know a lot. He's mumbling a lot, and he has sh- he's short, quick movements, and it's like really robotic. He's really robotic and stiff because he just is uncomfortable and doesn't know how to react. Um, and. I just think it's interesting that the whole conversation, especially once you compare it to the end of the film where he's at with this yeah. with woman, um, and like as soon as she sh- as soon as she leaves, she ends up just leaving her car. And this is also I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson, like in this opening scene, he has a he introduces a lot of things that seem insignificant, and then at the like in the middle slash the end of the film, they're like the they're huge. Do you mean like the car? Like how there's like the car. Broken? There's the harmonium. There's this airline thing. Like there's three yeah. things that are like. Yeah. There's the suit. There's like there's like so many things yeah. in this opening I scene think, that are like huge in the end. I think it's also interesting to note that as soon as like Lena leaves, um, the shot that immediately follows is Barry immediately running and hiding in the shadows. Yeah, I actually have. And that. it's like he, it's a it's a split shot, so it's like light and then Barry just running into the dark and he's afraid. And then he kind of like uh, eventually comes out and he starts like peering out of it. And then that's when he kind of he that's when he walks up to the harmonium. That's when he kind of I think kickstarts and he says I I'm going to he kind of looks at it. And now this is like Okay, so if how many have you seen all of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies? Um, pause. Alright, so, sorry about that, we had to take a little break, but uh, what, did you, what so, did you ask before? So how many Paul Thomas Anderson movies have you seen, Mike? Uh, two. Which ones? There Will Be Blood and Boogie Nights. And now Punch Drunk Love. So, no, yeah, so, what I was getting into is, um, I don't know if you've noticed, okay, well actually, in his indie, so as in, you know, Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, I believe, and Magnolia, there's always a semi-truck in it, um involved in any one of his shots it's very dynamic and i've actually noticed that and in this sense there is wait what do you mean there's like there's a, a semi truck just in every like, all right in so a shot for there will be blood and no like, i said in his indie in his indie work oh so like obviously there's point, not gonna what, be a semi truck is, is and boogie nights like i don't remember but like in heart eight there would there would be one just driving by and like a guy would walk past it like so it's just like it's just there like, it's just something I've always noticed in indie Paul Thomas Anderson. There's a, a semi-truck. But in this sense, he uses that as a transition. 
and it's when Barry is just standing there, debating whether or not he should get the harmonium, and you can actually see it in the distance that a truck is coming, so it's not even like a jump scare, it's that you can actually see it, he's telegraphing it to you, and then, um, that actually is used as a, like a jarring juxtaposition and a transition to show Barry getting the harmonium and just running, you know, with it, uh, back into his office, um, and so he brings it into his shop, and then he starts to immediately try and play it, and notices that it's broken, and then he starts to fix it, and so, and as we get farther and farther into this podcast, I'll, I'll, you know, talk more about what, like, he's trying to do as he, uh, fixes this, um, but this also, it brings in, um, the score of, uh, John Bryan, who, um, up, like, Paul Thomas Anderson is another, it's another staple of, uh, early Paul Thomas Anderson, he, he used it, I believe, in every one of his, uh, movies, uh, prior and two, um, so Punch Drunk like, Love, and then he like made this Paul switch. Thomas Anderson's, like, John Williams? Not, well, yeah, um, well, it's not John Williams in the sense. You well, mean no, Spielberg like, and John Williams? Yeah. He, okay, yeah, because it's, um, and then and then he, but then he made the switch to Johnny Greenwood and There Will Be Blood and The Master and Inherent Vice. Um, oh, I should, I should say I have seen The Master too. So, okay, and Inherent Vice, right? Not all. I fell asleep. Whatever. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, that is. I guess that's like any any other thoughts to keep going, Mike. Um. I, I just do have, um, I guess this is more like the narrative of, uh, like following the, the plot. Uh, so I did have, like, he just fiddle around with the harmonium and he notices it's fit or it's broken and he's just kind of like messing around with it, just kind of like, uh, investigating it, not really knowing what it is. Um, and, well, I guess going off that, um, it shows, like, it's another thing about Paul Thomas Anderson. I think everything that he dis- that he tries to show is, it actually means something. I'm not, like, trying to do, like, what people say about Kubrick, how literally everything that he did is meant to be there, and that there can't be a mistake, but I'm saying in this, at least in this scene, you see Adam Sandler, or Barry, um, he is just kind of tinkering with the mechanics of it, and then, like, a light kind of shines down on him in the harmonium. And then they, and then he does, like, a pan up into his face. And when you see Barry, it's just pure fascination of, like, what is what this box is doing to him. And then immediately, Luis Guzman and his, like, workers, like, open a box or open, like, office. And, like, he's thrusted into light. And, and then, like, and then, um, we have the intro to Luis Guzman who's saying, like, what is this? Why is this here? And then Barry kind of awkwardly like turns around at the camera and says like i don't know and then and then like that shows the start of barry's journey and then cue the title sequence yeah i was gonna say like leading in they ask him why he's wearing this suit and he's like i don't know i'm just wearing it and um i think that's kind of i mean that blue suit so i'm gonna ask you like why do you think he like what what does this blue suit represent something? Because this is literally his only war, his wardrobe throughout the entire. I, I watched a video that said it represents something. Um, I don't. I we should, but we're. I'm gonna say that I'll say it at the end, because a lot more things have to unfold for it to make sense. So okay. we'll get back into that. Um. Okay. So that's really I have a note there, and then he's like I I haven't mentioned that like he's unsure of himself when questioned. He just kind of says I don't know, and he just kind of rolls with it. Um. 
And then, yeah, we cut to the opening credits with the colors and the blend and, like, the music. I, I love the music of this. Uh, it's yeah. just so simple, but awesome. Yeah, like, um... Yeah, it's it, that's also that's John it, Bryan's original score. It reminds um, me of like elevator music, but like yeah, but I feel but like it's that has very like negative symphonic. Con- it's very like sweeping and like very graceful. You know, yeah, no, that's a better interpretation. I, I take away, I retract that elevator music because I feel like elevator well, music of. is kind of like because I feel like elevator music isn't like sweeping and it's like not like well because it's like, like a calming. Twist on it. It's like elevator music with tw- with a twist to it. Like the music it. of this film is really calming, and I feel like it kind of is like it would calm Barry, so therefore yeah. it calms well, the viewer. Well, it also um, it transitions to um, you hear singing, and it's actually they 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 bring Paul Thomas Anderson brings back the song later in the movie, um, but the song is "He Needs Me" from it's actually from Robert Altman's Popeye, and it's um, Shelley Duvall singing it. Really? Yeah, she plays um Popeye's girlfriend. Yeah, I, I knew she. Her name. Like, it was Robin Williams, right? Yeah, but it, that's a Robert Altman movie, and also, and it, it's important to show that Wait, Robert who's Altman. Robert, who's Robert Altman? Robert Altman, like he um, he basically is one of the uh heaviest influences on Paul Thomas Anderson. He directed movies like Nashville, um, Popeye, um, he's like he's a famous director. Oh, um, he did From Honor. Or not from honor, whatever the hell that Nixon movie was with uh, Philip Baker Hall. Um, uh, you said what was their name? Robert what? Altman. I got him. Don't worry. Um, crap. He did like oh he did some of Mash. He did the player, the long goodbye, um, stuff like that. Um, but like the the point is that like um, that Paul Thomas Anderson. I honestly think like he's also gone on saying that. Uh, Robert Altman is one of, like, the main in- main directors that influenced him growing up, so, I mean, it's just kind of interesting to note that this is another connection by, you know, uh, uh, Robert Altman and Paul Thomas Anderson. And so, yeah, I guess we now go into, you know, the rest of the movie after well, the... I, I do like the... I just want to mention, like, I really do like the... Uh... The, the color blend. Why do you think he did like he did that color blend? Because I honestly have no idea. Because I just think it's like so captivating and like I have no idea. I don't know. I guess it's just a style, but I don't want to chalk well, it up. Because then it also it's like rainbow, and then it also goes into like stars. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then also, but then it also comes back for when like people are talking. It's like omniscient almost. Um. I don't really know. So that's just like a transition, I guess. But, but like, I, I mean, maybe it's just a clever transition, or it's cool to look at. I'm gonna say that. I have no idea why he used that though. But um, so and then I am. I think after this, my notes say that we go into um, like the basically Barry is now at work. Yeah, I've been at Sandler at work. That's what yeah. My notes so say. um, and it's basically he's selling. He <clears throat> works. He sells. Um, I'm I'm assuming this is like an industrial type. You know, it's kind of like a Home Depot. Except it's like a backlot Home Depot. Yeah, backlot Home Depot, like, like, like an independent. Like, yeah, and in this situation, he's selling toilet plungers, like that are kind of like specialized. And well, that's just like one of his things. No, I'm saying in this, what he's doing is he's oh. just selling toilet plungers, and and, and this kind of sequence, I kind of thought it was really funny the first time, where he just keeps selling. He's trying to sell, and he keeps getting on the phone with his sisters, and um, it really goes to show like the character of these sisters, and well, it's also like. What I want to say real quick is, like, this seems like Barry is in his zone here. Like, he seems like a totally different person. Like, he's confident. 
He is like looking people in the eye. He's not. He's like sure of himself. It just seems like he knows what he's doing. Like even like, like that uh that unbreak like that scene of like the unbreakable like wand. He's like, you know what? I'll demonstrate it. And he has no idea. Well, he just assumes it's gonna work. But I would assume like he has no idea and he demonstrates and it breaks. Yeah, for well, comedy. But like it just he seems like a totally different character. Like he's well, like that actually goes into what I'm about to say because as soon as he answers these like he you find out that he has seven sisters and like I think a really like very well choreographed way like. That, like, they keep calling him, and then it's like, Barry, your sister's on line one, and he keeps trying to sell, and it's very hectic, but, like, as soon as he answers the phone, he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? Um, I can't talk right now, I'm at work, and they're like, he's immediately berated by his sisters, and I think that, and this goes to show why Barry is the way he is, because I have his, he, was, he was mentally abused by his sisters. Now, we're gonna go, and the next scene is gonna demonstrate that to even in a more extreme degree. But this is why he kind of is confident to people, like, other people. But then when he has to deal with his family, the people who, like, emotionally abused him. And they don't even, they might not even know it. But whatever happened, he is now scarred and is a different person because of that. Like, this is, like, what I have, like, okay, so I have Intro to Sisters. And it says, I have, in my notes, immediately hostile. And then I have, in quotes, bitches. Yeah. (laughs) And then I said, like... Uh, did you say, like, they just, like, immediately berate him. Like, did you chat? Like, this is from number two, you fucking phony piece of shit. Number three, don't puss out. Number three, and number four is saying, like, don't, like, like, don't be, like, don't be a bitch. Like, well, go out can, with this And you girl. can also hear in how he talks to them, he just immediately dies. Like, his tone is very automated, and he kind of just, like, it seems, like, dead. He's just kind of, like, okay, yep, yep, please. He's, like, please stop well, talking get it to over me. With, and like, also... Um, and then immediately after he gets, um, he stops talking to them, he turns his interest to the harmonium. So again, it's this, the, the harmonium is attracting him and it's promoting something within him. And, um, I feel like it's a mystery and anything with mystery, like that's different. So like Lena kind of like is a harmonium, like a, like a. I mean, I think I know what it means, or at least I have an interpretation. I don't actually, I can't begin to say I know what it means, but I have an interpretation of it, which I'll get to at the end. But, um, yeah, so, but then it gets to the next scene with, um, Elizabeth, which is actually, um, she was, she was actually in Magnolia. Um, I haven't seen Magnolia. No, but I'm just saying she was, um, she, she was cut from the film, ultimately. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. She was, um, like Tom Cruise's, like... Oh, okay, well, you haven't seen it, but in the film, Tom Cruise is, like, a, like, love guru type guy who kind of, he's, like, he's kind of the guy who's, like, oh, you can get any women you want if you listen to my, like, step-by-step program, and, like, as he's telling the story of, like, how to get women, she is, like, his, his, like, toy, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, she ultimately got cut from the film, but, but, I mean, the, her importance to this scene is that she comes to Adam Sandler, and she wants to bring a friend to the party, and immediately Barry, um, is, like, he shifts into a corner and he gets really uncomfortable and and then like he sings he says like people will like see him in the wrong or like wrong light like i'll have to and then he and then his like um and then his um like immediate response like i have to renew my gym membership and then like the whole time you know elizabeth is kind of like what are you doing you have to go like people you're, you're gonna have to go like don't be essentially she says like don't be a bitch but in a much nicer way, and she's kind of, like, guilting him into it, and you can see that Barry is audibly uncomfortable, like, visually and audibly uncomfortable with the whole situation, but she keeps pushing him, and this is where, like, it even shows that 
even the sisters are like even somebody is that where she doesn't actually realize what she's doing to Barry. She's like inadvertently harming him by forcing him to do these kinds of things. And that's really all I have to say about that. Do you have anything to say about the rest of these scenes? Um before the dinner sequence, which is the next scene? Not really. I, all I have written down in my notes is just that the 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 sisters are just complete bitches to him. And I don't think they, like, I just hate, like, when she's like, you, you phony piece of shit. Like, it's like, and he's like, all right, and he just hangs up. Yeah. And, like, that's his coping mechanism. It's just kind of like, is he's just like, which is later on, too. He's just like, all right, th- thank you. And then, like, kind of yeah. moves on. He just kind of, I don't want to say ignores the problem, but he just kind of, like, leaves it. And, uh, and yeah, and, like, what I have, like, from, from sister number four, Elizabeth, is that it's like, a blind date, Barry says no, and then, like, sister, like, I have, like, keeps blaming him and is hostile. But, uh, but yeah, so that's really all I have about yeah, that. And, and so, I guess the next sequence is, like, the dinner scene, and this is really where everything comes out the light. This, I think, in my opinion, this really explains why Barry is the way Barry is, where, like, he's lonely, depressed, and, you know, just really fucked up. Um, and, and it, and it opens up with I think this. I think this is the opening line where it's like one of her, one of his stupid sisters. Like, remember when Barry used to get all mad when we used to like verbally abuse him all the time? Yeah, like, like this is like I have like the party. That my first note is like they immediately like haze him, and he's not even. Well, he's not even there. And they start <clears throat> talking shit about him. Like, oh yeah, he like or like oh like he's he, like we used to call him gay boy, and he got so mad like he can't take a joke, and, and like he's immediately like physically tense from that yeah you can tell like just by his body language he's like well i I mean the opening shot is barry literally opening the door and he can hear them talking about him and he says no i don't want to do this and it's he he comes in and out of the door at least like three times before finally like kind of taking a deep breath and just walks in and then they say oh hey remember we used to call you gay boy and like you used to get so mad for whatever reason and like they're just saying, like, are you gay? Like, and he's like, no. Like, just, he's like, just leave me alone. And he, like, physically, like, isolates himself from his family. Like, even when he's with them, he, like, stands in the corner. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to be... Like, you could just tell by his body language that he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, it also shows, like, Barry brought, like, a little cake, because it's his sister's birthday, and they're like, oh, we already have a cake. And it's like, oh, well, okay, well, at least Barry tried. And it also shows, like, he, you know, is very... It's very obvious that he's an outsider in this family, um, especially like when he starts saying hey to all the the relatives and the the hu- the husband and like the husbands and you know sisters and stuff. And um, he says hi to actually the one guy who's like seems to be really nice to him, which I believe it's Elizabeth's husband, and it's the dentist. And he's like, oh. I feel like it's a friend, but either way, it's like- whatever it is. He's like, oh hey Barry. Um, like, how you doing, you know, how, he actually, like, bothers to talk to him, instead of, like, just berates him, and then Barry's kind of like, oh, work is very food, which is actually kind of interesting, because that was a typo, that Paul Thomas Anderson was like, oh, I'll just keep it in, it's, like, funny, <laughs> like, it's, it's, like, the little, th- it adds humanity to it. Oh, I don't even like, remember that. Yeah, he says, like, I didn't catch up on well, cause, that. Well, because they say, like, we're, it's very small, it's like, oh, he's like, and then Elizabeth's like, oh, did you say food, and then the husband's, like, or friend, whoever says, oh, because he's hungry, and he says, oh, yeah, right. And then, um, huh. and then he, and then, um, Interesting. yeah, Barry finds out that Elizabeth's friend <coughs> didn't show up, and then Barry's kind of trapped in the corner again, and then he lashes out by destroying the panes of windows. Actually, it's kind of important to note, do you notice how he destroys these panes of glass? He punches them and kicks them with his bare hands. You know how, like, hard it is to do that? 
I mean, I guess I picked up on it, but I just, I just assumed it was gonna, just like a few, like a rage. Cause I'm like, because like I've raged out before. Um, like, just but he's fine in my life. Well, I I'm mean, just saying it because well, this I've, is I've kind seen of videos where it's pretty. I mean, I don't know. Like, he's, I don't know. I don't know what this. I'm is. just saying this because it's something to note to take note over, which I'll elaborate at the end. But okay. um, well, I mean, but like going off that first rage, like. Like, yeah, he breaks all the windows, and, like, his uh, sisters, like, aren't they making fun of him when he does it? Yeah. Like, that's what triggers it, and, like, they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, when the one thing that stuck out with me is, like, you're a fucking retard, and I was like, Jesus, like, fuck these people. Well, and, yeah, instead of helping him, they just immediately start insulting him. Yeah, instead of being like, what is wrong? Like, instead of, like, what is wrong, they ask, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you doing this? They, like, totally ignore that he's yeah. angry and that something happened. And then and then it's, like, the next... And then the next thing, it just reveals that Barry, he says he needs, like, someone to talk to. He needs a therapist. And then, like, he says, like, he sometimes cries unex- unexpectedly, doesn't know, like, how other people are. And, like, really, it plays, like... It's 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 not supposed to be... Like, it. I kind of got it initially, like, oh, it's kind of funny. But, like, when you actually think about it and actually, like, watch it, it's so tragic and heartbreaking well, that... What's what's funny? Like, what do you... What do you what, no, what just you... the way that, like, it's, like, it kind of plays, like, a, it kind of plays comically where he's, like, sometimes, like, cry for no reason, and then he just starts crying. Oh, I didn't... I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really take that as comedy. I took that as, like, wow, Well, it's not supposed to be comedy. Sad. No, I kind of took it when I first saw it, I was, like... Oh, this is kind of pretty ridiculous, but like, and then my other viewings, when I figured out what the movie was about, you realize that this is, you know, who Barry is, it just really displays his, you know, depression and how unstable he is, um, and it really, what are my next notes? Yeah, I have it as Barry opens up to his brother-in-law, and like, he's like, I and like, the first thing he says is like, I don't want my sisters to know, and I, and I, and I don't know how to... Like, I don't know how to deal, and I don't know how other people are. So mm-hmm. it's like, he does just doesn't know. And it's, like, really tragic, and I feel so bad for this, like, this yeah, character. Yeah, this poor guy. And, I mean, and then that's the end of that scene, and then we go to him uh, uh, shopping in the supermarket. Which, I'm going to go out, that was really interesting, is that Lena is in this yeah. scene. Yeah, I was going to say, she's in the like, background. She's uh, she's in, like, the background, in a, in a, in a uh, I was about to say pink, in a red dress. And I'm not going to lie, I missed it, like, the first couple times I, I think saw I it. found it just because I was like, after I see these movies, I always look at the IMDb, and I'm like, you know, let's see what, like, what, you know, let's, like, some stuff I missed. And someone was like, yeah, like, Lena's in the background. And then when I went back and watched it for this, for this review, I was like, holy crap, she's in the background, or at least, like, in her red dress. I'm like, that's awesome. That's so cool. It's such a little minute detail that is so cool to see. So, um, yeah, and also it introduces the idea of the whole healthy choice, again, the whole frequent flyer miles, that if you, like, earn, if you collect um, a certain amount of, you know, um, what is it, whatever this brand, healthy choice, you can get a certain amount of frequent flyer miles. And, um, that's really, that's really the importance of that scene, and also you can see Alina in the background. And, like, I think what is interesting is that, like, Barry feels conflicted about exploiting the system, but he's like, you know what, I'm gonna exploit the system, but he feels bad about it. I don't know, I think, I just think it, like, goes more into, it goes into the intelligence of Barry, but also, like, his character. Hmm. Yeah. So that's like the food shopping. It introduces the whole promotional deals and things like that, and he just starts buying a shit ton of pudding. Well, I think that's a little. That's a little afterwards. 
Well, he. This is where he gets the idea, because it's like no, because he's st- well, because this is what happens. He starts, you know, kind of. Um, you see, he starts cutting coupons for this, you know, because he's like, oh, I can actually exploit this. And then he starts cutting coupons. And, um, because this is before he found out that pudding, it's like, there was a scene that ex- that explicitly shows, like, pudding being less expensive. And, but, like, so he starts cutting out, um, coupons, and then he finds, like, a phone sex ad. And then this is where he dials the phone sex line. Um, and now I think it's really important to notice that, this entire scene is one continuous shot. That's um, a good point. I yeah. never even And again, that. it's just framing. It like this the camera doesn't move at all, but it, it just follows Barry. Even when he's stationary, like sitting in a in a chair, it, the camera is still kind of moving and then it stops and you know, again, it's always in transition. Um and that and that's also um you know, I think another very uh, hallmark of Paul Thomas Anderson is the the you know one one take shot that is uh that's like very it tells a lot through doing very little um and so it shows you know uh so I guess I guess like so we so we we'll just go into the anatomy of the scene so he calls and he gets this operator for the phone sex line which is actually it's Georgia. The operator is Georgia. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, the person who actually ends up sexting him or whatever. It's the same girl. I just figured that was the same Yeah, it's the same girl. And, um... And also, for people at home, don't ever give out your social security number. (laughs) Ever. Don't (laughs) ever uh, do that. That's the amateur auteur's, uh, life hack. Don't give out your social security number on the phone. Yeah, don't don't ever do that. just a... That's a big, uh, no-no. And so, you know, uh, Adam, or Barry, he, uh, you know, he's trying to, like, the girl is asking about him, and, um, you know, he says, like, he, he has a girlfriend, you know, he's, his voice is shaky, he's very uncomfortable, he's pacing around, um, and then when he actually gets to, you know, when the, when it gets time to actually, like, have the phone sex, he says, like, he opens up, actually, no, like, I thought it was just funny, he's like, hello, this is back, like, Barry and Jack, <laughs> um, so he's like he has trouble like keeping the double identity. Like it actually shows like he has no idea what he's doing, mm-hmm. and um, it's like I I noticed I wrote repetition, and so basically this is signifying that Barry doesn't really know who he is. Like again when they said like when his sisters asked him is he gay he says I don't know, and then when the girl says like are you jerking off are you you know do you, what are you doing and he says like I don't know. I think that's just Barry's go to when he's uncomfortable. Oh he yeah. Doesn't know, and like when I have this like phone sex in my notes is like he's obviously nervous. He just can't sit still. And, like that's how I get when I'm like really uncomfortable. I just can't sit still in a certain circuit like in a certain cer- uh, situation. I just can't sit still, and I just am constantly moving. And I start to pace, which is what Barry does. And what I get from this is like it's really so sad because Barry doesn't want like, what a phone sex line is for. He just wants to talk to someone. So, it's, yeah, he's kind of like, um... Yeah, like, you really feel for this guy. Yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel like he just really wants to talk to somebody, so he's kind of like, um, uh, Holden Caulfield a little bit, except, you know, he's not, you Well, know. Holden, like, I think, assumes, he, he knows what it's like to be adult, and, and then when he is put in a situation... I just meant in this situation. I don't actually mean Barry is like Holden. Oh, okay. I'm just saying in this situation, he just needed somebody to talk to, and he went to a prostitute, essentially. Um, 
I mean, is there anything else you can take from this scene besides this is the initiation of some heavy-duty shit? I don't know, but, I mean, pretty much, yeah, it sets up everything, and it's, and, and it's just like he's the lonely guy. Now, I'm going to ask you, does he jerk off at the end of it? Yeah, he does. Okay, I, I believe what he I, does. I don't what, like. In my notes, I'm, like, I'm assuming he masturbates at the end. I think. I think he like. I think they showed him like sitting down and like kind of pulling, like unzipping his pants, and then and then they kind of cut to a lamp that starts like sh- like shimmering a little bit or oh, I, fading. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I I kind of wrote that. I'm like, so the spotlight's on him now, or like I don't know, really know what that means. But I don't know. I just assumed he like gave into it. All. Oh yeah, I think he did too. And then the next morning, you know, you can tell that it's, he's kind of in so big trouble. So, why don't you get into what happens the next morning? So, uh, Barry's getting ready for work, and then Georgia calls again, and she's pretty much asking for money. And, uh, like, really, this is kind of saying... He, they start extorting him uh, for, you know, money, saying, you know, give me money, we have, <laughs> we have your information. Like, you're kind of screwed, um, you know... Uh, give us money, and then Barry says, nope, I'm not playing your game, and then he just kind of tries to ignore the problem, and I think this is the scene where he starts, um, like, canceling his cards and everything like that, and uh, it's kind of very, this is kind of where, like, the pace is getting really, like, tension, like, yeah, I have being it, brought up. Yeah, I have it here is that um, he starts to have, like, nervous ticks, and, like, the music starts to kick in that, like, that really, like, I don't know, like, I don't like, the hi-hat, like, kind of, like, really quick, like, kind of, like, uh, mood-setting music, and, like, but I also took it as he, uh, in a way, can stand up for himself, because he just, like, like, is he just ignoring the issue, or is he standing up for himself? Like, what, 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 what did you take that as? As why he's, um... Like, do you think he's ignoring the act, like, the, ignoring the issue, or is he taking action? Because, I mean, either way, action is being taken, and for some reason I have... Tally marks, maybe how many times he hung up the phone. Oh, I think because well, I think this is Barry acting because this is showing his kind of metamorphosis because that he's been. It, again, I've, I'm connecting this back to the harmonium. Uh, you know, he's been playing the harmonium. He's kind of talking to Lena more, or like he's interacted with Lena, not as much. Like this is actually about to happen where they have their initial reaction to each other, but like it's it's showing that Barry is not you know, laying down and succumbing to this, whatever the hell is going to happen to him. And he's just kind of taking action a little bit, a little, one step at a time. But, you know, as all this is happening, um, uh, Elizabeth comes with, comes, like, with Lena to the workplace and says, you know, date my friend, you know, go out to coffee with us. And Barry says, oh, no, 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 I can't. And then, like, as this is escalating with Georgia, he's kind of having his back and forth. And then... And then he says, I, th- I think he says this to um, Elizabeth, he's saying, like, you're going to rag on me if I do this, as in he's referring to dating Lena, and then this is where um, Elizabeth's, I believe her husband said, like, mentions um, that uh, Barry needed, asked for therapy, and then she's saying, like, that actually shows, like, how, she's saying, oh my god, are you okay? Like, this is, like, the first time that someone in, her fa- in his family is showing that they care for him. Yeah. Um, and then, and then immediately, like, more chaos happens around the shop, and, like, uh, I so. know, I, yeah, and, like, did you notice, like, <laughs> he, uh, he took his home phone with him, which I think is, like, a nervous tick of his. Oh, I, didn't he just, like, rip it out the wall or something? No, or? that's at the end. Oh, okay. Like, he ripped, like, 
but like he he has his home phone in his hand. Like I think it's a cordless. Well, I don't and know. he just he just walks in and like um and in my notes I said he finds out he has no plan for the miles. I guess oh, that's his um like his pudding and stuff. Like he just keeps ordering and he doesn't really like this is before Lena. Oh yeah. And he just he just sent out his plan. Like so is this like his way of like rebelling? against anything like he's just like you know what i found and like i can exploit the system so i'm gonna exploit the system yeah, yeah, like, yeah. For no. Like, i don't think it's him reason. rebelling i think it's just some him's like oh i think i may want to do this like i don't really know why i'm doing this but i think i might want to um i think it also shows um what was i going with this that and i and i think it's funny because like it kind of it's like a similar situation where at the beginning, when like he like he was trying to sell the toilet plungers, and then like his sisters keep calling him, it's like the same thing here, where his sister and like everybody else is saying like his sister's like, oh, what's that pudding, Barry? Is that guy okay? What what's the pudding oh, yeah. for? And and the whole time, you know, Lena kind of or Barry's kind of just like trying to focus on Lena, I think. Yeah. Well, we also get like he tries to cancel his card at this point. I think and, I like, said that. Oh, I'm sorry. And the uh, like Lena and like. Elizabeth show up, and, like, this is where we find out that, like, Lena is the girl that, like, wants to go out with him. Like you said, there's, like, so much chaos going on in this scene. Um, and I, I really liked, like, the dialogue between, like, the phone keeps ringing and, like, him trying to deal with it, and she's like, you know, you made a big mistake, and he's like, you know what, thank you, and hangs up, and then, like, later on, she's like, you if you hang up, you're gonna have big trouble, and he's like, thank you, and then hangs up immediately, like, almost immediately, doesn't even deal with the yeah. problem. And I just think it's really funny. And then, like you said, there's that accident work where, like, he's trying to get to know Lena. She's like, is that guy okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. And, and, and he's, and, like, trying to, like, just get to know her. Yeah. And, like, it's just, like, mass chaos. Yeah. And and it's then, interesting to watch how he's dealing with But then with also, it. and then when they leave, and then Lena takes the initiative and starts walking back to get Barry. And this is another notable PTA shot that I don't know if anybody else notices. But, okay, so this is the way the shot goes. There's always a character that walks... And then walks behind a wall, and the shot is always following the wall. And then ultimately, the character comes back in front of the wall, and then it follows them again. Hmm. It happened in, um, I think Bo- it happened in Boogie Nights. It happened in Magnolia. It happened again, I think, in Inherit Vice, where, yeah, it's just, it's just like a shot that I notice that Paul Thomas Anderson likes to incorporate. It's just a weird thing of mine that I've noticed, but it's like it's a cool shot anyway. Um, and then, and then from this point, um, uh, Lena asks, uh, Barry out, yeah. and, uh, and, and like, then Barry's kind of like, oh, sure, I'll go without, go out with you. Yeah, and just, it just kind of happens, but, um, yeah, and that's, like, more or less the end of that scene, it's a very chaotic scene, and, and then, right after the scene, we go right to... Uh, Utah, essentially where the the quote unquote phone sex line is, and it's kind of like the conflict of the movie, in that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, he starts sending guys after uh, after Barry because they think he's rich. Yeah, um, well, they I think they assume anyone that calls us is rich. Yeah. Well, also it's also important to note that Philip Seymour Hoffman has been in every Paul Thomas Anderson movie up to this point. Oh, really? Yeah. He was in Heart Eight. He was a. He literally had like a quick cameo. Wait, was he in? Uh, there will be blood. No, up to this point. Oh, up to this point. Okay. Yeah, and like so in Heart Eight, he was like some random gambler. It was like gambler. four movies, I'm assuming. Yeah, Heart Eight. I'm saying it. 
you know, I just said Hard Eight and Boogie Nights. He was um, what the hell? It was the gay guy. What was his name? I don't remember, but I know. Oh, he's Scotty. He was Scotty and Boogie Nights and Magnolia. He was um like the he was one of the main characters. He was like a nurse, and then in Punch Drunk Love, he is this guy. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of interesting to note that this has been and not a growing relationship. Um, yeah, and they're targeting Barry, and yeah, it's kind of the uh, you know something. He's like he's heading like an extortion crime ring, pretty much. No, he's well, he's he's heading he's heading a sex operation, like a phone sex operation where, yeah, they'll extort people. Mm-hmm. It's not like a criminal underworld or anything, it's just, I mean, I, I, okay. It's I just, he's just extorting people, like rich people. Uh, pause it real quick. Alright, well, um, with that being said, let's get into, because we, this leads into the date with Lena, and we learn a lot of interesting, like, information. So, like, what I have in my notes is, like, Lena reveals that she wanted to meet Barry, and, like, what I get from the scene is, like, the charisma between these two is just fantastic. Chemistry? Yeah, I mean, chemistry, charisma, same thing. Not really, but... Okay, (laughs) well, whatever. Like, it's just the... Like, I just really like watching these two, like, act together. Like, it just really, like, brings a smile to my face, and it, like, it brings a uh, smile to uh, Barry's face as well, because he's just constantly smiling throughout this whole scene. Like, he finally, like, as he's a character, happy. like, you finally see him be happy and he's comfortable. And it's also, like, in this scene, he explains his whole pudding uh, thing, and, like, his whole pudding plot. And it's just, to me, I took that as, like, he actually trusts someone for once. Like, he's, like, enough to explain why he's doing what he does. Mm. And, and so, like, I thought that was really interesting. And then we get the funny, like, the quote-unquote funny story about, I guess, what was it about him being, um, oh, him, thro- him like, like, throwing, throwing a, a hammer. hammer through the door. And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, really interesting. And then he gets really upset, and he just absolutely destroys the bathroom. And it's, like, pent-up aggression, and then he just... Like, I, I don't know, does he hurt himself? I don't think he does, but he just absolutely destroys the bathroom. But, like, wh- what did you have to say about this first date? I kind of summed it up in, like, four lines. Yeah, that's but... pretty much it. Uh, I mean, it also it shows, like, Barry being happy, and then it shows when, um, what am I going to say? It shows, like, his, like, I guess sociopathic tendencies to just rage out when it comes to his family again. And then they get kicked out, and then also the freight truck comes back when they're walking back to the car, and there's a f- there's a semi truck driving behind them. Wait, uh, so what do you what do you imply that the freight like it's just something truck, that I like, keep noticing? In oh, it's just like kind of like a Anderson staple movies. of him. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know why he likes to use them. Like, but is he it just important does. in like other no, scenes it, or? It literally has no significance. Because it seems like in this in this moment, like it's just something to look at, I guess, in the background. Something oh. that it's I I guess it's just to add movement, so it's not just them walking. When I think that's actually kind of a good idea when you think about it, have something really big and ostentatious in the background. Well, it, just that, so you're like, not just staring at nothing, because it's well, just them walking. Well, now that you mentioned it's kind of reminds me of a play like like uh like for some reason i remember like when i was in middle school we ran we read like the diary of anne frank and like we were reading like the screenplay and it would be like a scene would be going on on stage and like it'd be like um like side notes would be like off the stage right she'd be like like someone would like mrs frank would be setting up like a pot of tea and then like like stuff would be going like stage left 
And, I'm, and I remember asking, like, why is this happening? And they're like, oh, just because, like, so you're not watching, like, two people talk. It's like, so something is going on on yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like this kind of yeah, because in the scene, if it, without that truck, it would just be two people walking down the street. It would be kind of boring because it's a it's a steady shot too, and that's the kind of brilliance of Paul Thomas Anderson because he knows that, and so and he's able to even just like do subtle things, just construct things that move that 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 don't necessarily catch your eye, but like it's so you're not just staring at just one thing, and so I mean that's just something that I notice. And, um, I think also they, they start talking about the harmonium, and I think Lena is actually the one that calls it a harmonium, and, so, well, do do you have anything you wanted to say about, like, the dinner, or, that was pretty much it, the date, like, about him getting, like, kicked out, and him kind of, like, I said, I said it, it's, like, just him showing his, you know, sociopathic side, and then they get kicked out, okay. I was wondering. I mean, it really just, it just shows how unpredictable he is sometimes, especially when it comes to his family. Um, so, yeah, and then we just go in, and then, and then we go into that. And then, isn't this when, like, the whole, you know, like, the first kiss, and then... Yeah, well, this is when he goes back to Lena's apartment, and he gets, like, his, like, first, like, kiss, essentially. And it's, it's a really, like, sweet moment. It's really innocent, yeah. Because it's, like, like, I think... He kisses her cheek, or she kisses his cheek. No, like he kisses her cheek, and then they leave. And then he, and then he says, and, and he, yeah. <laughs> he says, and bye bye. And he's like, really, like really, I said that. Are you fucking kidding me? And then as he's about to leave, like the front desk, like she, they, like she Lena gives him the calls phone, the front desk, and she says, like I really wanted to kiss you, and he just wants to find her. And like I kind of relate to that because I've I've had those moments where it's like I just want to be with like a specific person. You don't know where they are, and you're just like. And you know, he's like <laughs> running through these like he's like he's like the where like, is she yeah. and and then like the um like that like waltz music is playing like that's like kind of like the beginning yeah that I it's, really it's the sound yeah it's the mon- or it's the main theme yeah yeah and he's just like trying to true, find yeah. her like I actually have it in my notes is like wanting to find a girl that bad where you're just like you don't know where she is but you're just like no you don't care you're just trying to find her yeah and then and then I think that's when it shows that. Um, well, I think they mentioned earlier that Lena is going to Hawaii, um, like, that's part of her job, that she flies everywhere, and I think that's where, that's where that really, like, motivates, after she leaves, that's when really motivates Barry to actually go search for, like, or to keep buying these coupons and stuff, or the frequent flyer mile, like, pudding and everything like that. And yeah. I think, and this is where he's talking. I believe this is the scene where he's talking, and and he just really wants to see Lena so so badly that when he's talking to, and then he so he has all of the things, and he's trying to cash in the frequent flyer miles, and then basically red tape is preventing him from getting there, and so he's on the phone talking to people. He's saying he's like freaking out a little bit. It's like he's freaking out that he can't do it, and then he gets so pissed that he punches a wall. Well, I think you're. Jumping a little, a little bit, like a little bit. I can't because, remember. This is what I have. Because in my in my notes, it's um, it's uh, so it's like I I, I have like related to this like his Lena's apartment, and then I have like his first encounter with Philip Seymour Hoffman's gang. Oh shit! I com- I guess yeah, I completely forgot. So it's about like that. it's like the brothers like they force like the deposit out of him, and he and they're like kind of like Aryan brother like they're like blonde they all look the same they look like they're like inbred or something and and so 
they force the deposit out of him, and he just runs away. And this is, like, a pretty, like... I have this in my notes, like, this is the most, like, Sandler that Adam Sandler's gonna get. Like, he, like, this is the most, like, weird and, like, like, weird faces and weird sounds that he's gonna yeah. get out of this movie. Yeah. And it's, like, kind of, like, funny and, like, he's just, like, running. Yeah. And, like, there's that whole scene and he, like, and, he, and this is where he's, like, you know, like, like, I really need this money. Like, $400 is a lot of money to me. Like, well, you shouldn't be a pervert. He's, like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. And then he runs away, and it's that whole thing of, like, like the funny faces, and, like, he jumps, like, like 10 feet off the ground, like, yeah. off of a banister. Like, it's a kind of, it's funny, but also, like, he's, like, running, like, like Barry's running, and they even ask the question, like, why the hell are you running? Because we know where you live. Yeah. And he keeps running, and, and then we get to the next day. So, look, there's that scene. Then we get to the next day where... I, in my notes, like, I guess his sister calls him. I, I'm assuming she asked about the date. I don't Maybe. have, I just have hangs up on sister and then, like, uh, a bunch of, like, stars and stuff, like, to be like, he's, he's, um, he's, sta- he's standing up for himself. And, and then, I think this is where you were getting, like, he buys, like, more pudding just to go to Hawaii to be with Lena. And, um, and this is where we get, like, the last episode, where we kind of tease it, where he's like, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming. Yeah. And he. This is where he goes to the store to buy more pudding to get those frequent flyer miles. And he takes his employee with him. And, um, and I have it in quotes, like, I'm going to the world, I'm pudding, like, he's, and things like that, and I'm coming. Like, the, the classic line, he starts dancing, which is just, like, really, like, you feel happy for him. For once in his life, he's actually happy to be with someone. Yeah. And, um... And this is when that that song you mentioned earlier, sung by uh, Shelley Duvall. No, well, like, no, that's when he it plays when he goes to Hawaii. Well, th- I, I'm getting like this is when it starts to play. Is when it says he needs me. Really? No, yeah. I thought because then there's the whole he didn't punch. He punches the wall. I think that's later. No, because he's. Cause I, I don't have that in my notes. Cause I feel like I would have that. No, because yeah, because then there's I have the whole sequence of the whole he needs me. I have that written down. After. Okay, well, I guess I just missed it. Well, Alright, well, well, it was kind of big, because what happens is when he punches the wall, and then he kind of sits up, do you notice what's on his knuckles? I'm assuming it's like scars and stuff? Yeah, the scars say love. Wait, they say love? Yeah, they say love, and <laughs> hence the term, hence the movie title, Punch Drunk Love. Really? I'm, I kind of want to look Yeah, at like, right when, when he puts up his knuckles, and he puts them up on the harmonium, and it, it says love on his knuckles, where he punched the wall. And that's where he needs me starts playing. Like I'll give you a second oh, wow. to look up. Like yeah. I didn't. Uh, that's yeah. actually really cool. Like it's just like how the scars, like, yeah. quote unquote, happen to turn out. Well, I mean, it's obviously on purpose. Well, yeah, but it's just like in this, in like the, like talking about the movie. Like you know what I mean? No, I no, I actually mean like Paul Thomas Anderson meant for that to say love on his knuckles. <laughs> I never, I never noticed that before. That's actually like. A really cool like detail. Yeah, it's yeah, and and then that's when the whole traveling montage happens. Because like I, I I remember like thinking like wow those like he's got like really like detailed scars in his hands so it like it ha- like he punches a lot of things like I'm assuming like, I just assumed it was from like punching like glass and st- like the like the me um the windows and stuff but like now that I'm like I'm looking at an image on my laptop right now and that's like a really cool yeah detail love. yeah. Um, and then that's when the whole he needs me sequence is going on. Um, he goes to Hawaii. 
Um, and I actually love this whole, like, sequence, because, like, especially when he, I love the whole, when he's in Hawaii, it's actually, like, filmed, like, really beautifully, and it's so, like, he's at, like, a parade, and he's, like, calling his sister, and, like, around like, him, like, the whole, I love that interaction, by the way, like, well, you know, I like, like I like the scene leading up to it, where he's, like, I've never been on a plane, so he's taking these huge leaps and bounds for love. Yeah, and I really like that. Also, and then, like, he's, like, walking, and he, you can see, like, he can barely contain his excitement. He, he's just, like, he's, like, really trying to, like, just keep it together just, just for the woman he, like, really likes. And, like, and honestly, like, we all can relate to that. Just, like, yeah. being with someone that makes you feel so good that you're, like, like, even walking to see them, you're, like, oh, I can't I can't wait to see them, but you gotta keep it cool. And, like, that's him. And, like, like it's really relatable. And, like, one of my favorite parts of this movie... I even have it in my notes is like, yes, nice job. Is when he calls like his sister Elizabeth yeah. and hooks him up with her. And he's like, I just I just need the number and she's like, Oh, you calling her? Where are you? And he's like, Just give him the fucking number. And he I'll literally kill you. Yeah, he's literally like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Just give me he's like I'm, and he says, I'm tired of this goddamn bullshit. He's like, Stop stop this shit. And it's yeah. it's like it's so funny and like so awesome to like hear. Yeah, to finally like just he like, it's, this is, like, kind of the transformation taking place, and also, and then when he finally gets to Lena, the, um, what is it, the, the light on the telephone booth lights up, and he says, like, oh, Lena, See, like, you're here. It's I just think like, that's, I think that's, that's, like, per, and, like, it kind of, like, syncs up with, like, the music, Yeah. it's, like, it's, like, a ding, and then it, it syncs up, and it's just, like, really good filmmaking, and it, like, and, like, the average moviegoer might miss it, but, like... It's just like something. It's a really cool detail. It's yeah. like that. It's like that love on his knuckles. It's a really cool yeah. detail. Yeah. And then they see each other, and then they like kiss, they embrace, and then they walk away holding hands. Um. And then it's like the little like circle thing that's like focuses on their um, their hands, and then it shows like how how like close they're getting, and then and then like they have sex, and then it's like they're they're well, or like they're post. I don't think I don't think they have sex. Yeah, they do. They're fully clothed at the end. No, I think I no. think they literally just sleep together. No, but no, because then I think they had sex. But the point is, no. But before it, they're like kissing each other and like all over each other, and then they have like their dirty pillow talk where it's like they're fucking crazy, where they're like, "I'm gonna eat your face," and like, well, "I'm no, gonna like, I don't, like okay, rip I wanna go, I, know, I, I wanna out. go into like, I literally, I, li- I don't think they had sex because I don't think Barry would do that. I think Why? they literally, because he's so innocent. I think they just literally slept whatever, together. whatever happened, like. Well, I just took it because the, the the night after, and they're talking to each other, and, like, Barry's laying in the bed with a bathrobe on. Like, that's why I just, that's what I took it as, they had sex, but, like, it it doesn't really ultimately matter if they did or didn't. Um, it's just the fact that they're close together. Um, uh, I guess, and now, like, we're, we're, we're getting pretty close, so, like, well, I, um, like, just so, I mean, just, like, keep, like, keep going. Like, well, I'm, I'm thinking it, like... Yeah, we actually... Well, I mean, we're an hour and 14 minutes into this discussion. But, like, um... I'm trying to... Th- yeah, like, the, I, I'm looking at my notes. Like, the detail of, like, the light going on the payphone. And, um... I have the I have the note, like, my whole life is empty without you. And, like, through that, their relationship grows stronger. And, like, I think it's interesting. Like, they can say stuff like that to one another. And, like, not, like... Lena isn't creeped out by it. Well, when you remember, like... She was kind of obsessed with Barry from the from the start, and then Barry was, once he got to know her, he became obsessed with her. Yeah. 
And it's just like their relationship grows stronger. And then at this point, Barry calls Georgia from the hotel. And like, this is when he, like the character shift, like Lena is giving him strength to stand up for himself. And he's just like, you know what? Um, we've had an altercation, but I want my money back and I'm not going to take anything less than that. So give me my money. And you know what? We can, we can figure this out. He tries to be civil about it. And, and like, he tries to be the big man about it. And then, I don't know if you had any notes about that scene. Or... No, that's why I, that's why I directed to you to keep talking. Okay, well, notes. yeah, he just kind of was like, you know, he starts to stand up for himself. He's like, yeah. you know, I want my money back. That wasn't that that wasn't a good like that money's a lot to me. We can like call me back, and we'll figure this out. And this is where we get, uh, like a, I guess the exposition that Lena travels a lot, and like now this is when things start to tie together, and that traveling is a big big thing to remember because this is when like the pudding and like traveling come together with this frequent flyer now now we get we barry and lena come home and we have the accident um we have the philip seymour hoffman gang attack barry and lena now this is a huge mistake this is when like you can fuck with barry but once you like start to mess with Barry and his like his like his love interest, that's when he starts to lose it. So I have Barry like big mistake and I also love how this is shot. And it's it's like kinda static but not like it's like inside the car and like you see the reactions. And um Well then it just shows like Barry being a completely different person. He literally just comes out straight face like you hurt my girl I am going to fuck your shit up, and he's, he's like, like, "I'm gonna hurt you now. You hurt my girl." I'm yeah, gonna hurt and you. he literally, and like, he it's a completely different person. He he he's almost like he's like combat trained. He like breaks the dude's arm, hits him in the face with a crowbar, and then just starts fucking their shit up. And like, and like, what's also awesome is like he does what he needs to do. He doesn't like go out storming, like beats the crap. Yeah, out he just of them calmly all. walks out. He just does walks out, do. does what he needs to do because and, and, and takes he's doing and, it. He's doing it to protect Lena and takes Lena, Lena to the hospital and like. And one of my notes is, like, Barry beats them all, and then I have, yes, it feels so good. And he just does it with such ease. Because they're like, oh, yeah, you want to mess with me? And just smacks him with a crowbar. Yeah. Like a and then And then while Lena's in the hospital, Barry has now become the confrontational one, where he's, like, screaming on the phone... And uh, I love the interaction on the phone between Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Barry, where it's like, do you just tell me to shut the fuck up? And he's like, shut, 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 it's shut It's like a trailer. Up. It's like a really, like... Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen the trailer, but, like, it's so... it's so. F- I laughed at that part. I'm like, Philip Seymour Hoffman is, like, just really dialing it in. It's, it's really funny. Yeah, so we get that phone call. Now, there is, it is important that Barry leaves Lena in the hospital, and but he tries to deal with the situation. He heads the Idaho and he heads the Idaho to deal with the situation. Utah, it's in Utah. Oh, it's in oh I have Idaho. Yeah, yeah, it's in my bad. Provo, bands. Utah. Yeah, Utah. Um, and this is oh, and also one of those details is that Barry broke one of the windows in his office. Like when it's like a pan in shot, um, like a dolly shot, and it goes in and there's like a broken window off to the side. And I, and I think I took note of that because it's not broken when he leaves the office it's broken when he's there and it's just kind of like an implied like he had a rage and he broke a window oh, okay um and then he like i said he like what you said also he speaks to uh philip Seymour hoffman uh i have D- is his name dean 
I don't know. I think I, I have remember. Dean for some reason. He's like, shut the fuck up. He's like, go fuck yourself. And then he's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And like what you said. And then he says like, you know what? That's a big mistake. You're dead. And then he <laughs> like, we get that transition again. Like with the rainbow s colors and like things like that. And um, I guess there's like that checkup on Lena where it's like, oh, is Barry out there? And like, he's not there. But then we transition to Utah, where we go to the mattress and furniture store, and Barry confronts, I guess his name's Dean, because I have Dean written in my notes again, where he confronts, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it's also funny, because he still has, like, the like the, the phone yeah, the from his the, office the phone, again. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, so basically what happens is, pretty much, uh, Barry goes up to him, goes face-to-face, says, you know... You can do whatever the hell you want to me, but just so you know, like, I have love in me. I, this is, like, a force that you do not, you can't, you can do whatever you want. I have love, on, I'm powered by, like, love and emotion. He that, says, I have, I have so much, I have more strength than you can, like, believe yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that, where he's saying, like, I'm unstoppable because I have Lena. And, and, and then, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman backs down. And, like, in my opinion, that really intimidates him, because he's like, oh shit, because he never, because like, Philip Seymour Hoffman would probably throw a, f- a punch if it was any other guy, but since he says like, he knows this guy's not messing around, he's really intimidated, and, but it also thinks, I also think that like, Philip Seymour Hoffman just talks a bigger game, yeah. than he does like, actually do it, because once he leaves, like, get the fuck out you pervert, and then Adam Sandler turns out and he's like, what did I say? And then, and then, says, then oh, never, nope. Okay. And then he and then he immediately walks away. Like yeah. he just he's like, I shouldn't have said that and walks away. Yeah. But I guess that's like that's that resolves the problem. But it's such an empowering moment for Barry because like I said in the beginning, he like he starts off so small and then at the end This is a total one eighty. It's like he's just a completely different character because of Lena and like the and power the and like the power of love. And, yeah. Well, because the reason I think it's also the harmonium as well as Lena because the, and then we go to the final shot where the harmonium's fixed and Adam Sandler Barry is playing a song and then Lena steps up to him and then they kind of just look at each other. Well, okay. So I'm kind of interested. What? So there's two things like you said in the beginning of this discussion. You wanted to talk about the harmonizer and the or harmonium. I have it as harmon harmon. Harm, harmonium, whatever. Harmonium. Um, of that, and then the suit, and right? the suit. Like so. Okay, like, I guess so this is. I'm like, gonna go the with the. Har- yeah, this. Okay, so that was punch drunk love. Everybody. Well, we. Well, okay, no, now, we still have some. What do you mean? There's. Well, okay, well, we've like he, uh, Barry apologizes and explains everything. To and who? And then. Oh, to Lena. To Lena, and then yeah. he says, like, you know, in six to eight weeks, like the miles will be able to be redeemed, and I can travel with you, and then um. But the last shot is Barry playing the uh, harmonium with Lena. Yeah, and then, like, the final shot is Lena saying, like, here we go. Yeah, okay. And then that's what it is. And then I have some notes about that, but let's... So, I want to hear what you have to say about the blue suit and so, the harmonium. Okay, so now what the harmonium is, the harmonium is Barry. It, it's, like, his spirit. It's it's what he needs to do to, to become Barry in the end, where the harmonium comes... In this most dramatic, over-the-top, nonsensical way, it just literally arrives on Barry's doorstep. After he sees Lena, he kind of, and Lena points it out to him, Barry comes and takes that as his initiative to go take it. 
and then and then he starts putting it together. He starts fixing it and playing it, and that goes to show like <laughs> his like broken psyche and his you know mental you know capacity and state that he's just fixing this harmonium in the music. And then by the end, it's him with Lena playing the fixed harmonium. Mm-hmm. So it's like the whole movie is trying to fix it, and also it's like a Kickstarter. It's like him. It's pushing him to do to change, and then at the end he's playing it. He's playing a song at the end, so he's he's now singular. He's like he's fixed, like the harmonium was. So now going with the suit, I saw this video on YouTube. I don't actually really buy into this, but this is like an explanation for the suit. So basically, this is all an allegory, saying like, uh, um, Barry is like Superman. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know, just All bear right. with me. And the suit is his, like, Superman suit. In that, um, like, A, it's blue. And, I mean, if you're gonna go obvious, it's blue. And I think he's a red tie. And then, there are other elements to the story that are just outside of the suit. But, like, um, when he's on the date with Lena... Oh, no, when he's, um... Well, when he's on the date with Lena, and he starts talking about DJ Justice... And he's saying, like, oh, like, I really like him. Like, he just says it how it is. Like, I, I listen to him every morning. And then when he's, like, he's he's uh, testing the plungers when the plungers break, the plunger's supposed to be unbreakable. And he breaks the unbreakable plunger. Like, so he's, like, you oh. know. Um, Are they, like, super strong? Or? Yeah, some, it's, like, this is just what they're trying to tie together. When he flies for the first time, like... He's fly like this is something new. He beca- he's becoming Superman. Um, so he's like he's like I never flied before. So like now he's flying. Um, uh, when he beats up the guys, like he becomes like superhuman. You know what I mean? Um, See, like my thing with like theories like that, I don't is, buy it. It's like all. I feel like people are just projecting. Like I- unless the di- the director comes out and physically says like you know this is what I wanted, but I don't know. That's just what I saw. And that's what that was the answer to the question. So, I mean, it's an interesting one at that. I mean, because yeah. in a sense, he is kind of Superman at that. Yeah. So, uh, so you said you had notes about the end. What were you gonna? Well, it was just more of like my reaction, like leading up to my like recommendation. So, do we want to go into that? The recommendations is that are we done talking about the movie? Well, I mean, really. I, I just think, like, when she says, like, she, like, he's playing the uh, harmonium, and he, it's, like, it's, like, fixed, and he's, like, and he's legitimately happy for the first time, and, and Lena just kind of, like, puts her arms over him and says, like, here we go, like, for another, like, adventure, it's, and it ends, and it's, like, what a ride that was, like, everything was utterly perfect, like, and honestly, if no one has ever seen, like, Paul Thomas Anderson before, I would totally be like watch punch drunk well, well punch let's drunk i mean let's go save this for the recommendation like i said that was like that was the rest of my notes for this film okay well okay so that is then that we have concluded with punch drunk love so now like take it away with the recommendations all right so after this like i guess well, well okay let's explain for people who if some if you have if you're tuning in for the first time what happens is so now that the, we finished the movie now that we we do a uh, recommendation f- out of five stars, and now since I recommended the movie to Mike, Mike is the first to go. So Mike, Punch Drunk Love, what do you give it? Okay, so like as I was just saying, like what a ride! Like I honestly think that if like someone wants to know who Paul Thomas Anderson is, like this is the like the f- this is the movie that they should start out with because it's not overly long and it's not overly like 
complex. It's it's like it's pretty simple. It's I mean I'm gonna say it's uh, yeah no it's relatively simplistic compared to other movies. movies. Yes, it's pretty simple. But like this is like what a ride. It's such it's so awesome and you know I would give this such a strong recommendation and Brian I think you're gonna like this is gonna bring a spot a smile to your face but I would give this a five out of five stars mm-hmm. like I was I was totally surprised by this going into it I knew this was gonna be a good movie just knowing what Paul Thomas Paul Thomas Anderson did I thought this was gonna be a four star but as I watched I was totally enthralled mm. and like my notes off this is just like the acting is perfect especially Sandler he totally just surprised me with his ability in this film um especially like what we were saying earlier like this is like when you watch this you're not thinking like this is sandler being serious and doing a really good job you're thinking like this is like you're so engrossed in this character that this is this isn't sandler um the story is top-notch the writing is perfect um especially in regards to like background things and like in the beginning where like he introduced things and that that paid off in the end um the cinematography is superb it's one like one of the best stuff i've ever seen like just with framing and things like that and also the runtime is only 95 minutes so it's like a relatively short film especially compared to modern film and i don't know i just really love this movie and this is one of those rare films that get a five out of five. I mean, as of now, we've given each film like a really high rating, but this is like the strongest recommend, the highest rating, a five out of five. Uh, I've been, <laughs> I've been recommending it to friends, um, just left and right. Like you need to watch this film. It's on net, like it's on Netflix. You need to watch it. Um, and I think it's just one of those films that you need to watch, especially. Just if you if you love filmmaking and like a good story, like this is what you should watch. So I would give it a five out of five. Okay, so I would also give this movie. I will also give this movie a five out of five, mainly because my Mike also kind of uh, pointed out all the details I was gonna say. Honestly, I would say if you were a first time viewer of Paul Thomas Anderson, this is the go to film I I always recommend. Um, it is mainly for the reasons we just said. Um, I mean, it's not, for a while, this was my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film, but then after I recently, like, sat through all of his, like, canons, including his short films and a few of his movie, uh, music videos, and, um, it's, I mean, it's up there, it's a great film, um, and, uh, you know, acting is superb, direction is phenomenal, it really just, uh, really demonstrates how Paul Thomas Anderson is the, is the master of his craft, um, he is one of the greatest directors we have, you know, currently working right now. Um, honestly, you know, go follow his blog uh, or his website. It's not his blog, but it's like a fan site at a, uh, what is it? I think it's Cigarettes and Red Vines. Um, it's like, it's a website expl- like uh, dedicated to him. Um, watch anything you can about the guy. He's a fascinating person. Um, he's really, I think he's honestly like a really down-to-earth guy, too. Um and he, he, if he can do one thing well, and that he was born to do, is to make films. And he is one hell of a director. And, we I mean... S- we will see him again. And you, yeah, I promise Wars. you we are definitely going to see him again. Um, and so I guess, yeah, until next time, I guess that is Punch Drunk Love. So, two strong rec- recommends from uh, Mike and Brian. Uh, next week is, or, yeah, next episode is Mike's Recommendation. 
and I've been trying to think of like a teaser. Brian, you've been good at like tagging, um, like, like the next, yeah. like the okay, previews. I got it, um, <laughs> I got it. But I, I guess I can say that it's gonna be another quote-unquote documentary. But um, I, I have the, I have the teaser. What's your teaser? Okay, so it's from a, it's from a, it's from a funny cartoon that we've all seen. It's uh, okay, so here's what it is. It's something about a map, something about a map. Uh, uh, something, screaming, some people screaming, something talking, happening, nothing's happening, nothing's, nothing's happening, happening, something about a map. It, the movie's over. Everyone looks pissed. <laughs> that is the, uh, that is the teaser. I actually, the and like, I actually have a funny story about this, about this film. Um, but you know, I, it's another docu. Er, you should probably unquote, save that for. Yeah, no, I, no, I'm not gonna tell it now. But it's say. obviously a, it's a, it's an interesting film that I think a lot of people do enjoy. But you know what? That was that's for next week, and you know what? Thank you for joining us in this episode of Amateur Good Outdoors. talk, good talk. Yep, thank you for being here. Um, we will see you next episode. Yep, where it's uh, Mike's recommendation to Brian. Oh yeah, it'll be fun. All right, well, thank you again, everybody, and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur All Tours. If you like what you've heard, want to leave a review, or even make a possible suggestion for Brian and I to discuss, you can follow us on Instagram at the Amateur All Tours, on Facebook at Amateur All Tours Podcast, or even send us an email at the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. That is one word. Cover design was composed by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at her own website, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme was performed by the CCH Jazz Ensemble, which was found using a Creative Commons search. Once again, we would like to personally thank you for supporting the show. Stay tuned for future episodes, be sure to let us know what you think, and thank you once again. <laughs>